Hey, it's Friday. It's 10 o'clock. It's Love Babs Love Talk. So today, my guest is one of my favorite people. We go way back. Like, I knew her because she was my husband's friend. And now he's my ex-husband and she's still my friend. (laughs) Christine Bartlett-Josie. How are you? Good. I'm good. Good to be here this morning. She is our Donna Brazil, right? She's Connecticut Donna Brazil. She's like campaign strategist. Like when I talk politics, she's like my go to person to talk politics because she actually knows politics. And so we're going to have a lively discussion because it's an election season. She's she's ran some really good campaigns. She got she got Gannon back in Bridgeport. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> she got Robert Porter, Gary Winfield. And uh, whose campaign are you working on now? I'm currently Ed Gomes in Bridgeport. Yes. Senator Ed Gomes. Yes. Um, I'm with the NA campaign. So we've got about 13 campaigns across the state. One of our, um, one we're most concerned about and putting more more energy in is Joe Crisco. Who's Uh Hamden, Woodbridge, that area. Okay. Because the Republicans have poured in tons of money into Connecticut as much as, you know, um, we think we're going to be okay. There's some, targeted races for the state house and Senate that they're targeting. So we want to maintain our majority um, in the state and, and house of representatives in Connecticut. All right, Chrissy. So what do we get wrong about the political process? Mm-hmm. What do you think every, the everyday person gets wrong about the political process? What do you hear most? Uh, and you just have to correct people. <laughs> what I hear most is that, you know, it, basically the politicians get in power and they don't care anymore. You know, mm-hmm. And it's us versus them. Oh. And it's really not us versus them. And people have gotten away from the fact that they are the reasons why those folks are in the positions that they are. And that's that's what I hear a lot. It's mm-hmm. us versus them. And what do you wish people would be better at in this political season? Like what do you what do you want to see people do better around making their decisions around who to vote for and understanding this process? I mean, people need to just simply not simply just listen to what's on the news, right? The average voter just simply needs to read all information is out there. Like if you're a state rep, you need to know what the bills are. What are they voting on? What are the interests? Because you put them in power and all the information is out there. If you ask the average person, do you know how your representative voted on any one issue? They don't know. And it's all online. Mm hmm. Everything's online. Just, you know, with a click, you find out. And whatever issue may be important to you, whether it's education, whether it's your health care, whether it's unemployment, you need to speak to your representatives starting at the, at the local level. Because everybody in New Haven should know who their reps are. Right? Yes. They should know, you know who your older person is. Mm-hmm. You should know who your representative is. You should know who you, your state senate is because that's what matters most at the end of the day. 
These are the people that are responsible for how your children get educated. If your garbage gets picked up, mm-hmm. if there's a street light, mm-hmm. if the sidewalk is being, you know, if the roads are, if there are no portals. And I think too often, you know, people go in and vote and they do not keep, um, keep or how would I say, they do not reach back out to those reps mm-hmm. or, the, or they represent. They just think they their just, commitment yeah. to it is done. done. Once I they voted, make their vote, it's over. It's over. Until the next time around. And they've not engaged at all. Mm-hmm. I go to uh, meetings, community meetings, even um, the management team meetings in different neighborhoods. People simply do not attend those. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's first most people first Tuesday of every month, first Wednesday of every month, first Thursday. You know, these are regular scheduled meetings. And if you go throughout the city, you have the same handful of people attending, mm-hmm. and that's where you discuss what's going on in your particular neighborhood. I mean, their reps attend, the older people attend, but sometimes you go there and it's literally, it's most times it's just the reps or the alders and the community isn't there. Hmm. So, so there, so there's more to voting than just voting. Yes, absolutely. There is some engagement because all politics I always say to people is local. All, all. whatever happens in your life, it's local. I mean, you can vote, we got to vote for the president, but the reality of your life is on the local level. Yeah, absolutely. So even in our political circles, I hate when they talk about it's an off year. You know, presidential <laughs> year is the on year. But when it comes to municipals, it's, no, it's not an off year. This is the on year. Right. And in Connecticut, we actually have election every single year mm-hmm. because, you know, it's, it's from your local level to your state level to your federal level. So we don't have any municipals this year, but, you know, next year. Mm-hmm. And so we have an election every year. So people should be actually more, most engaged here in Connecticut because there is somebody running for some position within mm-hmm. your town, your, you know, every single year. Mm-hmm. So people hire you to create a campaign strategy. Mm-hmm. They say, you know what? I want to run for this office. Help me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me write you a check. <laughs> <laughs> Because you don't volunteer because <laughs> you're talented and you get paid to do what you do. Yep. And so you start this process. Of, walk me through a, a, a process. Like if I wanted to. Well, not me, because I've already ran for office, so I know how <laughs> grueling that is. But say somebody walks up and says, you know what? I want to run for Board of Aldermen. Will you uh-huh. advise them? Well, I'll just I'll use an example period, which is even I'll use Robin Porter's example. Oh, that's right? a good one. That's a good one. Yes. So Robin and I met in 2011 and she was volunteering on Jeffrey Karikis's mayor's race. Mm-hmm. And I was actually out of the country and I came back. I was actually at home in St. Lucia and I came back into New Haven after a couple of months of being gone. And I was like, what's going on? You know, it's election year. What's going on? And I had known, known tons of people or, you know, were on Mayor Stefano's staff and, you know, all the people and all the stuff going on. And I started to go to the meetings and realizing that the Democratic Town Committee itself was about to do this massive change. You know, they had all these people lined up to run for office to literally, you know, Unite Here 3435 was going to come up with this sweeping plan to um, to run people. And it, and it worked, right? Mm-hmm. They won hands down. 
And then, so I'm going around figuring what's going on, you know, let's see, because it's election and I'm like, you know, I'm itching to get involved. <laughs> That's so, a good way to say that. Yeah. Um, so I go over, I knew Jeffrey, um, I had been di- director of development at Leap um, and he was lived right around the corner. I'd see him walk the dog all the time. We'd talk about every issue possible in the city I'd been to automatic meetings and he was all, he was one of those folks that was always at a meeting, you know, and asking relevant questions. And I saw this frustration on some, all the people were like, why is he always there? Why is he asking questions? That's what you're supposed to do as a taxpayer and a resident of the city. So he would all, and I would always talk to him after those meetings. It's like, Hmm, Jeffrey's running. So I go over to sit with him and I meet Robin. And we just, you know, sort of established a friendship from there. So fast forward, well, we know what happened in 2011, you know, Mayor Stefano obviously won, but Jeffrey Karikis had, had no money. He had $30,000 to the Stefano's one point something million. Mm-hmm. And he got 47% of the vote. Wow. And that was just like huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jeffrey had no plan. <laughs> Well, he had a plan. I shouldn't say it wrong. Correct me. He had a plan, but not the kind of plan that the strategy that I would have put together because it's really about your ground and it's about getting people out there and knocking on doors and speaking to the voters. That's that wins no matter what. Mm-hmm. So fast forward. Um, I met after having met Robin and would run into her, you know, various places in the city we move forward to 2013 and um, Tony Hart becomes mayor. Gary Winfield is going to run for state Senate. And Gary and I have been friends for a long time. I was actually on his team when he had decided to run for mayor. And so ironically that year, 2013, I actually, after that, was not going anywhere. I went into Stanford and Norwalk and strategized and ran both the mayor of Stanford's race and the mayor of Norwalk's race. And they're both mayors today, David Martin and Harry Relling. Mm-hmm. So it's January. Gary's going to run for, for a state Senate. So his seat becomes open. So I'm like, we have to find someone to run for your seat, your state rep seat. Tons of people are up throughout the state because I've run a lot of state rep races thought I was going to run. They assumed that I was in Gary's district. I was like, no, I'm not in Gary's district. So I'm sitting there, you know, we're doing fundraisers for Gary. We happen to be in West Haven at the um, West Haven T- hall doing a fundraiser. And I go upstairs because it's bingo night and there's Robin Porter selling her jewelry. So I go, Hey, how are you? How have you been? Um, what are you up to? Said, oh, well, I've moved. I actually re- live across the street from Gary Winfield. So all the <laughs> lights go off in my head. Right? Everything goes off in my head. It's, it's like, like Christmas in your head. It's like, really? Hey, I need you to think about something. I need you to think about running for state rep. She goes, no way, girl. That's your thing. That's not mine. I said, listen, I need you to come sit with me and spe- speak with me. I have a plan, and if you are willing, it'll be fine. You, you've got this. Robin had been involved in the community since she had moved into New Hallville, mm-hmm. and she's very active. So I knew there were, you know, there were elements and pieces that she already had 
that was her passion for people and community and making a change in people's lives. So I immediately go back to campaign headquarters and pull out, you know, my notebook and I start. So for her, it was, she had some community involvement. People knew her, you know, she had been involved in a campaign. She lived across the street from Gary. I was like, who would, oh my God, the gods are just shining on us. (laughs) So I sat down with her and I said to her, you know, basically, this is the plan. You've got to raise this amount of money. Um, This is your district. These are the number of registered voters we have. Um, How willing are you to knock on this amount of doors? Because based on the last election and the numbers of voters that came out, I need you to knock on this many doors and get to know this many voters in order for you to be at least competitive. Now, there are four people running. So we knew that would also be in sort of people, a couple of people had more, certainly more name recognition than she did in the district. Mm-hmm. So she was all nervous that, no, we, we've got you. This is what we're going to do. And so she was more than willing. The one thing about Robin, she went, she talked to her family. She probably prayed about it, knowing her. Mm-hmm. And then she came back and said, I'm ready. And she listened to she absolutely did not question she questioned in terms of wanting to understand the process but not fighting the process right so yeah every day it was sneakers on ready to go she was ready to go every single day she knocked on every single door and i you know i said i basically introduced her to first and foremost a lot of the town committee people she had known people Mm -hmm. but they didn't know them like their positions or you know what the whole process was the political process so introduced her to that i mean and i said you need to sew up your base because you are in this district in new Alvin 19 and then we're going to go over into hampton and tap into the other person's base and again what we found out what she found out on the doors is that those persons, no one had come to, no one had come and knocked on these doors for a long time. No one had actually come and speak, spoken to voters for a long time. Even the four people that were, the three other people that were running, she was the one person that was on the doors. I could see that. Yeah. Cause she's just that. She's just that person. I mean, she's so, I mean, she's, first of all, she's everywhere. Like, I don't know how <laughs> she does it. I, I see her everywhere. everywhere. I, I'm not kidding you. Her and Gary, they're everywhere. everywhere. And everywhere. I, I I don't, I'm in the press and I don't go to nearly <laughs> as much stuff. I should hire them to work for the paper because I swear they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And that's it. And so, and I said to her, you have a perfect, the perfect mentor in Gary. Yes. The perfect mentor And they Gary. get along so well. They get along so well. And they're, it's like, um, you know, um, political corner, you know, yeah, division in, in, in Winchester. I mean, you've got um, Alfreda Edwards down Alfreda the street. Alfreda Edwards down the street. Who's the alderman? alderman right? She's the, still the alderman yeah, for. She's still the alderman. So it's actually perfect. So, I mean, those two are just and and everything about and Robin was unique in the sense because she, she didn't want it. Mm-hmm. You know, I have people coming to me and asking me. They want it. They want it. She didn't want it. You know, I saw this in her. And it's very rare. I mean, it was like, wow, you need to be a state rep. You are what 
people need, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's the difference with her. In other cases, I you know I'd sit down and strategize again. There there's a form I use different formulas based on, you know, who the the personality of folks do because I really have to get to know you, you know, and who you are. Mm-hmm. And so and, now you ran Ed Gomes campaign mm-hmm. or you're running it? Is he up? No, he's, he's, it's well, done. Yeah, the primary was the was the main campaign. After all, it's Bridgeport. It's Democratic. He has a, a Republican opponent, but that's that's nothing. But he had a he. Well, he was primary. He was primary. Was it tough? Very tough. Because I thought it was. Hard. Very I mean, tough. It looked like it was. Yes, it was very challenging. Tough. Very challenging. One of the things that happened with that is a young man. I think he has great potential mm-hmm. to do a number of things in Bridgeport. He's a young attorney. Moved into Bridgeport, I think, about five years ago. Um, but one of the things with Ed, it's like, um, they started talking about age, like he's old. Mm-hmm. So for me, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> and I just hammered back on them with that. Uh-huh. He's old. He's been, the, he's old. So that was the thing. And, you know, Ed Gomes is, he's, a union guy. He's been there for the working man, working families. He, I mean, when he came back and ran in a special election, he was endorsed by the working families and ran on the working families line and he won. So challenging him. Um, well, again, this young man, I think he has great potential, but he's just, he wants everything now. Mm-hmm. You know, a problem with some of those young people. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really mean to tell any young person to wait your turn. If you feel you have a passion, a desire, go ahead and run. Yeah. But run on your record and what you want to accomplish. I just don't think it's wise to um, necessarily attack the other person, especially in the way that, that Ed was attacked. Uh-huh. You know, it was did like... You, did Ed want to do this or... He wanted... Ed Ed wanted to do it. Okay. Um, Ed's... Um, he's After all, yes, he's in his 80s and he's going to decide, you know? And Oh, I didn't know he was in his 80s. Yeah. If he, yeah, if you can't he, ever tell with black people. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Ed wanted to run again. Okay. If he decides when, I mean, like he says, when he decides he doesn't want to, he will gladly step down. I think the manner in which Ed was approached to, they literally told him, you know, you old, you need to step aside. Oh, see, that would put fire in somebody. That would put fire in somebody. And he, I mean, he, he does actually like Dennis, but you literally told this man, you're old, you need to step aside. This is who we want to run now. So you need to step down. So, so we won. It was tough. I mean, we had to go to court to get back on the ballot. There are some shenan- shenanigans going on down there, but it's fine. We won handsomely. And um, he's back. going to be back a state senate. We need to keep the majority in the Senate and the House in Connecticut. So. Yes. Yep, so the big one, the uh, Ganem campaign, mm-hmm. which was stunning for a lot of people. First so, of all, the fact that you know, he's a convicted felon. Five years out. Five years out. I, I think we're about the same because I'm a f- convicted felon too. Um, but I, I had no thought of returning to public office. But he had that thought. And I think he, I don't think that thought ever left him. Um, unfinished business. Unfinished business. But he had a mountain to climb, right? Because he had a sitting mayor who people liked, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he seemed to, you know, quell whatever uneasiness that people had about Bridgeport, this the incumbent. Um, mm-hmm. And then here comes Joe Gano mm-hmm. with a posse of people. Mm-hmm. And 
And then I hear the rumors that, you know, the governor was not feeling this. Like a lot of people were sort of, but there was no law that said he couldn't run again, which I'm sure somebody's going to try to do something around that. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure somebody's going to try to do something. So what was the biggest challenge? Was the biggest challenge perception? Was cause I, Because I understand the people, they had no problems with it, particularly in the African-American community, because they just felt like, listen, yeah. this is our everyday reality. Yep. <laughs> I think, again, all politics is local. Uh-huh. Oh, I can't stress that enough in, in this case. If you went around with Joe Gadam, just walked from the moment he got out of the car. He like he was at home. He's at home in He's every home part of Bridgeport. In every part of Bridgeport. From the moment Joe would walk out the car, everyone. I saw him at an event. Everyone. I saw him at the um the family reentry event. They had a they had uh, Danny Glover mm-hmm. speaking. Um and Joe Gannam showed up with the entourage. And the current mayor was there. And people, you would have thought that he was the mayor at yeah. that moment. Celebrity status. It was just, it was an amazing thing to see. And I knew in that moment, I said, this man's going to be mayor again. Yes. Because he walked in there like he was the mayor. And it was just, you know, Absolutely. without any sort of hint of, I shouldn't be here. I feel uncomfortable. He owns was just it, like, claims it. He owns it. He was he like, owns I'm the mayor. Space. Yes. <laughs> he owns that space. So what was the biggest challenge? Well, then what, what did you have to overcome? Honestly, um, in Bridgeport, there was not much, to, the peep, there was really not much to overcome when it came to Joe in Bridgeport. I think the biggest challenge to me as, you know, a strategist is getting him to him himself, the candidate to understand like, the nuances and then the technology and what we do now. Right. Because okay, uh, that was the thing. But in terms of people, money was flowing in. Like there was no issue really? with fundraising. So people money, really wanted him back. People wanted him back. And I think it was Finch's race to lose. People wanted. And he had a lot Joe of missteps. Gannon. Finch, Yes. A and lot he of introduced missteps. some racist stuff yeah. that was. Yeah. So challenging. Yes. The the money was flowing in. I mean, Joe raised a hundred thousand dollars in a week. I mean, it was just you had an event, you call people just showed up. People would be showing up to the headquarters just handing checks and filling out forms and handing checks. It's like here, where's the form for me to fill out? I want to give Joe a contribution. It was just this overflow of, you know, a little celebrity. I I had never I had never seen this before. I mean, well, no really, one has. No one. I've never seen this before. <laughs> I mean, I, you literally. know, that's a Marion Barry kind yes, of thing. I had right? never like, seen it before. So on the Finch side within their campaign, they had um there a kind a couple of things they did. Um, the narrative, you know, convicted felon. Which I think offended a great many people. Offended a great many people. Like you said, people were saying, Well, I've got I'm a convicted felon. Right. I've got a brother. And if you I've do got your time, sister, right. I've got a niece. This is reentry at the be- at the highest level, but you want people to come back into right. society so, and be pr- productive. Second chance. Yeah, so right. everybody believed in second chance, the redemption story. I mean, everywhere we went, yo Joe, go Joe. People are beeping him. I mean, once he steps out of a car, it was people running to him, mm-hmm. cars going by, beeping him. It was just constant that, and he had a message. People also remembered. And I said to him, "You have to stress your record when you were mayor." 
I mean, you know, keeping taxes low and what you did and what where mm-hmm. Richard was going and progressing. So people wanted to see that again. But he feels absolutely comfortable in any part of Bridgeport. But when he came, from what I understand, when he came out of prison, he stayed connected to community. Absolutely. Like quietly, just quietly, sort of stayed he, connected. He stayed connected to community very quietly. He counseled a number of people. He worked with ex-felons. He, many, you know, many people on promotion, excellent, don't realize they have the right to vote after right. how many years. So he did this whole so educating people about that. Mm-hmm. He registered, a, he registered, I think, the campaign. But Joe personally, that was his mission to register a number of ex-felons who are now back off probation. You have the right to vote. You know, you're yep, not. I voted. Yes, yes. I mean, I voted. Yeah. So he did that. So there are a lot of newly registered voters that the the other campaign well they not, alienated they them alienated with that them. Whole... they did not reach out to them so you had in close to 2000 newly registered voters in the primary that you knew were going to vote for Joe Gannon because Joe Gannon got them registered mm. bless was you it. Lucy <laughs> I said Joe Gannon reached out to me I mean we one time we were we were we were walking and I this is a funny I thought it was hilarious one of the very first days I was like like I'm, you know, African American, well, Caribbean African American woman, and I'm thinking I'm not comfortable going in here. I'm not going here. Me and my middle class self, bougie self, I'm not going over there. And he looks at me. He's like, No, come on, let's go, Christina. He's like, I'm not going there. This looks so dangerous. He's like, I'm going. <laughs> so it's that. This I was is like, a white man. Little, I'm a go. Little, little, little. Yeah. He's little. You know, I'm a five ten big old black woman. I'm like, I'm not going there. And he's like, No, we're going. Let's go. So that was him, absolutely comfortable everywhere. Mm-hmm. And people, all that resonated with people. The Finch campaign put out a flyer. Oh, yeah. It was like a KKK. Linking him to the KKK. Some old mess. Some nonsense because some client he had in his law practice somehow was connected. And it was just, when I saw that, I was like, it's over. You guys are going to lose. Joe's going to win, hands down. So, yeah, but my, my, I think my biggest challenge was him himself wanting to do, you know, he was, I, like I said, going everywhere, even mm-hmm. in dangerous situations. I'm like, hello. <laughs> he just, he would just talk to any and everybody. When is he up for reelection? He's a, he's a four year term. So, oh, okay. 19. Oh, Bridgeport has four year terms. Yeah, Cause we don't have four year terms. No, we don't, which we should. I know. Cause that is just. New Haven should have two year uh, terms. And I, you know, when I was on the board of Alderman, we, we have, we were trying to get that passed. It should be four and it years. Didn't, you know, it should really. Because I think be the alderman should serve four years, and I think the board, sh- the mayor, should serve should four years. Because I think you, what you do is you spend one year working, one year fundraising, yeah. I mean, so campaigning. Yeah, just, Stanford is four years. Yeah, Norwalk is just doing uh yes for Norwalk because they want to go to four years. It mm-hmm. makes sense. Just makes sense because you can sense. get so much more done, and you're not in Absolutely. campaign mode. Absolutely. Halfway through your term. You know what I mean? You have to Absolutely. get ready to run again. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So how do you become a campaign strategist? Oh, boy. What's your, how do you, how did you get, <laughs> how, how did, did you get, get here? Because yeah. well, you're very good at it. People yeah. speak highly of you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm from the lovely island of St. Lucia. Grew up in a political family. My father was a politician. I have probably been my first campaign. I might have been a couple of months old. <laughs> so <laughs> I've always been around it. I and as a as a little girl I would sit 
I'm an only girl in my family. So, I mean, I would always sit with my dad and my godfather and my uncles and all of their friends. I was tons of pictures with me, the little girl sitting with my hands under my chin or sitting on somebody's lap, my dad or my godfather. And they would be, that's what they did. They talked strategy and planned. And I um, in the sixties and seventies in the Caribbean, a lot of, um, Islands were seeking independence from the British. So it was always, you know, so I've always been surrounded by this, right? So um, fast forward, my dad's appointed to the UN. We get to New York and we don't go. My dad doesn't have us living. So he's a diplomat. Yeah. So my dad doesn't have us living, you know, in Manhattan. We're in Brooklyn, in Caribbean City, USA. We're going to regular (laughs) (laughs) New York City public schools. And my dad, being who he is, gets involved locally. He wants to know what's going on in Brooklyn, who are the representatives in Brooklyn. That's just who he is, right? Within two years of that, um, our, there's a power struggle in St. Lucia. Our party loses, but we don't leave because we have um, green cards and subsequently became U.S. citizens. So my dad, again, that's just who Michael is, Michael Bartlett is. So got involved in the local New York politics and... Um, would get on campaigns in New York City. So here we go again. I'm the little girl tagging along with dad. <laughs> so get to college, get involved in student government there. Yes, because my ex-husband and you went to the same. Went to, the same, went to John Jay went College to Criminal John, Justice. Yes, yes in, we're in, in college. York, yeah, in New York. And Larry and I were in student government causing <laughs> havoc on campus, <laughs> um, fighting the good fight. Um, <laughs> trying to get CUNY, you know, to stop tuition hikes and increase and yes. took over student government, took over the buildings and <laughs> went on strike and, you know, fight the power. <laughs> did all that. So you came, you come to this work very honestly. Yes. And so we did that. And so then Mayor David Dinkins was running and that's actually the first, um, I think, where I, I mean, other campaigns that got, in, got involved with um, city council and my it was Charles Barron and we lived in Flatbush. So it was Una Clark and um, different persons. But the Dinkins campaign, I had come of age, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't this you know, little teenager anymore. I was in college and in student government. So I actually worked on the organized CUNY students for Dinkins. So that was, you know, that was really, really great. And I just it just it is what it is. I just just happens. So after college, I taught, we moved to Connecticut. I started going to meetings here. And every time I go to, you know, community meeting, I raise my hand, I get, you should run for office. (laughs) 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 So, you know, I then subsequently, I worked at the UN um, for St. Lucia for a while. And again, following in my dad's footsteps, I would, every election cycle, I would go home to St. Lucia plan organize just just i just learned i learned a lot from my father and his friends and my uncles always planning and strategizing my my dad never ran for office but he was always the go-to person Mm -hmm. to organize campaigns Mm -hmm. so he was a member of the labor party you know whether secretary of the party um pr of the party lead the you know organizer so he was always the campaign manager Mm -hmm. so all of those and my dad's just very organized. So I learned a lot from him. And so being here in Connecticut, I would just, you know, go to go to town committee meetings, started going to everything and just would simply just volunteer. I would because I'd always have a full time job. 
whether it was teaching, whether it was at the UN. I and you're a mom. And I'm a mom. Because, yes, three children. Because you and your husband, Lancelot. Uh, yes. Josie. Lancelot Josie. Who was a lovely, lovely man. Thank you. And a soccer coach. Soccer coach. Soccer we have a new soccer for a long time. And mm-hmm. coaches in Madison and Clinton and all the outside town. So you guys have three kids. You got a, a boy who's at Johnson and Wales. Yes. And ah. two daughters. One daughter. is a fabulous designer at design school in LA. LA. And then you got one kid in Spain. Spain. Yes. <laughs> We're empty nesters now. So yes. it's like all good. But yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So just being here in Connecticut and, and I, th- what I, th- not, but New Haven in particular reminds me a lot of St. Lucia in terms of proximity and size. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel I could have gotten involved in New Haven in a way that I could really have made a difference because it was easy for me to go to an automatic meeting and easy for me to go to a, town committee meeting and again you know every time i go i just i get into a campaign office because somebody is running it's just just how i'm wired and i want to organize i just automatically want to go oh this is not right you know and i would sit and know no you can't do that and this is what so eventually people would say oh should you get christine and then um and particularly in the 08 race with well, I should go back to 204 with Howard Dean. I was a Dean person. And I got, again, because of all my involvement, the people around Dean, you go to different meetings, meet at the pizza place, and they're like, you should go to Dean camp. And I was like, what's Dean camp? So Howard Dean had these boot camps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like camp I didn't know this. Camp. Yeah. And so because I had done that, everything, by the time 08 came around, it was... It was the Dean strategy for Obama. So we knew it. I was like, well, we know this already. So a number of us from Dean 04 organized in New Haven because, you know, at the time everybody was Dodd because Chris Dodd was running mm-hmm. and we were supporting our senator. But we were, let's, you know, draft Obama, draft Obama. <laughs> a lot of people from and people looking at us like, you guys are crazy. That's never going to happen. So I think for me, it's just constant, all the involvement. It just, it just happens. Mm-hmm. I never plan. I didn't plan it. It just happened. So and how just come you morphed. never became a candidate yourself? Bobs, like, what is that? What is that? <laughs> Stop. I'm just asking. It, does it cross your mind? It's crossed my mind. Um, it's crossed my mind. The opportunity has not presented itself. Mm-hmm. Let's say, I mean, you but know. if it does, where would if you If it be? does, I would consider it. Really? I would consider it. You know, my father, my father-in-law, actually, both politicians on St. Lucia have this crazy idea that I should run, you know, be prime minister in St. Lucia, but that's a whole other animal that I'm not ready to. I know, even. but the fact that you put it in the universe now, see, now watch. The oh, universe stop. will conspire there. to give you what you want. That's a, that's a Paulo Coelho quote, right? Mm. From the alchemist. Like the universe will rise and meet you. I think sometimes. I mean, you love your country. I do. I love New Haven. Mm-hmm. I love America. I love. I absolutely love St. Lucia. That's where my heart and soul is. Buried. I know. I, when you yeah. go and I see the pictures, and you talk about it, and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Prime Minister. And that's 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 a totally different animal. It's. Uh, it's, yeah. But it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think about him. I think of my son, though, in that sense, because he loves, he absolutely loves St. Lucia. I mean, we we had taken their two, my husband went back home for two and a half years with the 
two younger ones, my second daughter and McGarvey, my son, just to sort of give a sense of self. We also wanted to test to see if we could have actually lived there again because it's difficult. We've lived out, I've lived out of San Lucia for 30 years now, so it's like, mm-hmm. but, and my, our son is t- totally became a St. Lucian. He understands, you know, his place on that island. He understands his grandfathers and what his grandfathers meant to the island. And he knows that he's McGarvey Josie on St. Lucia. So he, I could see him going home because he's, he's wants to head there after college. So I could mm-hmm. see him being and running, you know? Really? Yeah. Hmm. I see one of my children more so than I see me right now. This is this whole family and legacy thing. I'll just run his campaign. <laughs> I actually love strategizing and I, running that's campaigns. That's what I know. That's what I, that's really, what I know. really get a kick and so a high off of it. So if you were heading up the, the Hillary Clinton campaign, what would you do differently? Or would you do anything differently? First and foremost, I think Hillary is a product of her environment. This woman has been in, pro- in, in the public eye for 30 years in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And... We're not the Clintons. Many of us have not been that, right? So whatever, I should say, bubble that she may live in, whatever cloud of secrecy that, you know, that surrounds her, whatever they've established, because the average person we see it as she's dishonest, she's not trustworthy, she's part of the 1%. That saddens me because... She's so not that, right? Right. And and again, I'm full disclosure, I was a Bernie de- supporter. I was a Bernie delegate at the convention. But at the end of the day, we've got a flawed politician in Hillary. And from very for me, what I would have said to her from day one, come out with everything, whatever it is. Stop making excuses for the email, for the server. Just come out with it. Put it all out there. Give everything. Put it every, Put it all out there. Mm-hmm. You own it. You address it. You own it. You claim it. You take hold of it. You do be, narrate that story. Don't let the other side do it because that's what has happened now. Yeah. You know, the other side is the story. And it, and it really has deflected from the foolishness of the other side. Thank you. So for me, from day one, I tell all my candidates, I need to know everything there is to know about you. So we own it and we put it out there first and foremost, that nobody else, you deal with your story completely. And let's get over that. And I think that's what has not happened. You know, when you, when you, when questions were asked earlier about the server and she'd go, you know, make, stop making excuses, apologize upfront deal with it head on, continue to apologize, apologize each time it comes up. Please apologize mm-hmm. every time it comes up. Don't me. Oh, it, no, it is a big deal. It's a big deal. It continues to be a big deal. Apologize every single time. Mm-hmm. Cause look what we have now. You've got a flawed politician who is by far, I think will make an amazing president. Oh my God. I think she'll be amazing. A comedian was talking about she'll be the first mother. Forget everything else about the woman, but she'll be a mother. Mm -hmm. Mothers take care of things. So she'll be a mother in the White House, right? And I think I'm not worried about Bill because Hillary knows how to handle Bill. 
You know, right. I have a what, 40, 50 year yeah, marriage. She knows how to handle Bill. I think she'll be an amazing president. So you have this amazing woman who's, yes, politically fought, who, yes, you know. But then, and then you have this damaged, crazy human being on the other side. Because that's what he is. Mm-hmm. He's a damaged human being. But are you surprised at the I am not level surprised. of support? Not surprised at all. What does that say to you when you see that? When you see the strategy of that campaign that even the GOP can't even corral, right? Mm-hmm. They can't even put this genie back in the bottle. Not. <laughs> For me, it tell, I'm not. I'm not surprised. My husband and I talk it all talk about it all the time. Lancelot is Lance is absolutely not surprised. And he and I, he's, he's way smarter than me. I think at times, and you know about this stuff. And politically astute because we both grew up in this thing with our parents. Um, for many of us, we live in, you know, on the coast, we're in New York, and if you look East Coast, West Coast, and some of us, we're in our own bubble and we think this is it. This is what America is, right? Mm-hmm. But there's the middle of the country. <laughs> I, you, and I think you're right because I'm always, I'm stunned because I understand the liberalness in, in, this, in the tri-state area where mm-hmm. I... Hang this, out, yeah. This is our this is our world. Right so here. when I get down south, and I'm a, I went, I mean, I went to college down south, so I understand that whole mindset. Mm-hmm. But when I when I get beyond that, and I'm like, you know, Texas and the middle of the state, and I mean, the middle of the country, and people's views, I'm I'm always taken aback by the level of civic ignorance, mm-hmm. and um people's own delusions around what a president ought to be and do mm-hmm. you know they they will accept this donald trump and an immigrant wife an immigrant wife but won't accept immigrants <laughs> and 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 barack obama would have never got elected if he did one ounce of never I mean, if he would have just came out of his mouth, which is, I don't, anything. Anything. Other than, or if, or if he had three children by five different women, you know, five, three marriages, five children, he would have, he would have got elected. Absolutely. It just wouldn't have happened. I don't think any, any Democratic man. I don't think, it, you're right. Any Democratic I mean, man. Because Dean mm-hmm. just got like, he just, with the whole screaming and the yep, whole kind of thing. Was his own undoing. Yep. Can you imagine? Yeah. I can't, this is hard for me to. It's hard, but I'm not. I'm, I'm really I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised because even even driving to Hartford and sometimes 91 gets crowded uh-huh. and I venture off and go onto the Berlin Turnpike. The Trump's Trump Pence signs there are huge. It freaks me out every time I, yes. I saw one as close as Hamden. Yes. And I thought, oh, I've not seen it in my neighborhood. Well, Although, you're afraid in your neighborhood, but the matter they are thinking that. <laughs> well, somebody said they did. I think Don, who is the ward chair, yeah. Don Walker, Walker, yes, was the ward chair, and he's like Babs. Somebody had um, Trump signs on their yard. A couple of people, and they took them Bam. because neighbors gave them the look, like, "What are you doing?" Yep. And so they just didn't want the blowback, so they took them. Yeah, I think so. I think in certain neighborhoods and in New Haven, people wouldn't dare because they're like, yeah. But I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all about because, I mean, I had a friend one time we were going to drive across the country and 
and we were all talking about it. And she simply said to us, she had done it before, and there are certain places. She goes, you and Lance would have to hunker down and hide while we drive through certain places. And we were like, oh, okay, you know. So I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. Um, um, it's, it's, it's hurtful because I think this country is so much more. Mm-hmm. But I say that, you know, Barack Obama is what this, co- this country aspires to be mm-hmm. and should be. But Donald Trump is what it actually is. Oh, my God, Christine, that's so profound and scary and scary. So it scares me. It scares me. I read something the other day. I think it was I must have read it. Maybe I read it about two o'clock this morning. It said that. Um, that there are white people who who can't stand the fact that they could not outvote Barack Obama getting into office and that the backlash is Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. So my husband said that in two, in 2012, Lance was like, watch what happens. That is the, that is the, you know, that's like, that's and, like voting against your own interest regardless. And we have to understand once he became president, what happened? What did the Republicans say? We're going to, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that you're not successful. And he has been quite successful. Right. But you again, know. what do we, we get that, right? So here you are, the Republican Party, well, of course, doing this. So what do we expect? You, you created this monster. Mm-hmm. And they were there. But now you gave all of this, all these folks, these people, the license to expose it all, to yeah. be free to say it, to be free well, to yeah. come out. Well, they opened the door with this Tea Party yes. madness. They opened the door to Tea Party madness, and that that has left them. Yeah, even the Tea Partiers are like, "What's going on?" Because <laughs> there's another element to it. It's like, right, you've got this house, and we all know, you know, the house and the different rooms, and the Republican Party for a long time contained all this in this one room. Yeah, you're part of us, but you need to stay in this one room. And then from time from '08, well, we started to open the door to that room, and slowly but surely, they started to leak out, and now they're all over the house. Yeah. So what has happened? Yeah. And now they don't they don't have control. They have so then no their control. party is crashing and burning. And it needs to. Everything it needs to. Yeah. Well. They need to crash and burn and regroup. And regroup. And 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 not Ooh. in the way that they did in eight years and bring Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. They need another eight years so they could No, maybe twenty years. Maybe yeah, mm-hmm. or maybe longer. Maybe longer. Maybe, maybe longer. longer. But longer. it's I'm not surprised at all. I'm really not. And it's it is it is scary, but I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. And and I think it goes back. Um, I th- I always go back to education as a teacher, and you know what are we teaching? What what are we doing? What right. are we doing? What are we doing? Right. What are we doing? I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing. These are dangerous times. I think. Uh, so all right. So we have about I don't know five minutes or so. So uh, what's next for Christine Josie? Well, like what do you want to do? Oh, what's the what's the biggest dream? <laughs> I have not, I've, I've actually not really thought about this because for the first time in a very long time, you know, um, well, we're empty nesters now. So I'm we're so trying looking to, forward to that. We're thinking, <laughs> we're thinking about it every day. It's like, okay, we literally don't have to think about, you know, anyone. We don't have to think about, you know, we're at home, you know, kids are out. We're not really going to fall asleep until we hear all, you know, the, the, the keys in the door. Uh-huh. So, or we get a kid to a right, or get a kid to or, an event or something. Always getting somebody somewhere, and for the first time, it's like we don't have to do anything. So, 
Um, I've got some dreams in my per- very personal dreams of myself and particularly about school. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm actually looking, um, preparing and planning for, I don't want to say it because Bob's is going to get on me because she's going to hold me to it. I know We've what talked it is, about but it. You know, I'm just, that's why I brought it up. I know. Because this would be like re- recorded. <laughs> I know. I've always had the desire to go to law school. Yes. And and you should. And I, yes. And I, every, if people constantly say that to me, mm-hmm. including my father. Mm-hmm. So I think now that my children are. Out the house. Out the house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at least two are really settled in terms of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. The son is 18 and his freshman year of college. He does actually, he actually knows what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. He's at Johnson and Wales. Johnson and Wales having a good old time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be right. doing some farm to table stuff and That's wanting cool. to go we, home to St. Lucia. We like cook, that. Good. And cooking up a storm and playing soccer. So I'm that means happy. you're going to start applying to Yale. And- well, I have to. What I have to do now is prepare for the lovely LSAT. Oh, you'll be fine. Yes. Because we know Caribbean folks got edu- world-class education. <laughs> I don't know any Caribbean person that can't pass any daggone test anywhere. I know so many. Thank I know you. so many. I, I don't know what it is about the educational system in the Caribbean, but, but they are leaps and bounds. You know what it is? We're never told we can't. We yes. can't. Yes. And even, you know, as much as I hate colonization, but the British were, they didn't separate your education. You got the, you got educated period, no matter what part of the island you were from, no matter if you're poor, wealthy, it's the same across the board. Mm -hmm. And the British actually wanted their subjects to be able to, (laughs) I guess, run the country Mm -hmm. and not have to be there. So they made sure that you were thoroughly and properly educated Mm -hmm. and the system is what it is you know okay you know a a very poor kid who sat next to you with no shoes on and you were all with your shoes and socks wins the island scholarship you have this you're right there together Mm -hmm. and they could and they kick your butt you little (laughs) wealthy child (laughs) (laughs) And they got, you know, they got rewarded for it. I think you would be great in law school. I think you would, I think you would be in a, I think you would be a phenomenal barrister. Yes. Oh, wow. That's nice. That sounds good. My father would like to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Silly. But um, yeah, I think in the next couple of years, certainly I'll be 15, two years. So that's the plan. Welcome. Yeah, that's the plan. (laughs) That's the plan. You know, know, I've seen my friends who've all turned 50 and it was in your 40s. You were right. You know. Like, in your fifties, you start yeah. to. I've had the children in the twenties, raised them in the thirties and forties. Now I'm like, okay, it's my turn yes. once again. Yes. So, yes. And what I'm going to do with it after I get it—that's another story. Oh, uh, you know what? That path will light its way. Yeah. So now, where are you going to be on election night? Election night, I'll probably be in Bridgeport. Okay. Um, I'll probably be in Bridgeport more than likely. Okay. And so, you're feeling confident about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually feeling very calm. I'm confident about Connecticut. We, I mean, I'm confident about a number of races. There's one race, I'm a, you know, but I think we, we've got it. Um, there's no issue. I think there's really no issue in Connecticut. I think if we, anybody can help, it's New Hampshire and Pennsylvania. You know, mm-hmm. those are the two states if you're in Connecticut. And you, you can get online. There are tons of things you could do if you go to Hillary's website, mm-hmm. you know, from calling, from, you know, there are, 
bus trips organized every weekend. Yeah, I see, I see that. I see that. So if you want to really get involved, you can help. And it does help. It really does. Volunteers help. I mean, we're not worried about Connecticut. That's why there are no resources here. There's best to put resources elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I am hopeful that this country is, you know, like I said, um, is Obama-est and not Trump-like. <laughs> I hope you're right. So, I, I, you know what? There's a piece that I feel that Trump is not going to be the yeah. president. I think smart people, even Republicans, even good-meaning, well-meaning Republicans, even Republicans who, who didn't, who wasn't a Sarah Palin fan or a Tea Party wannabe, you know, are not feeling this Donald Trump mess. I, I don't think they want any part of this, and I don't think they want this to be their legacy. No, they can't because I mean, I just think the office of the presidency—it's the office of the president of the United States. Yeah, and for and you know to treat it. The way they've treated it like a reality show cheapens it. And, there were, and you know, I have, a, I have a friend who is in Paris now. We have one minute. And, and she was like, you have to read the foreign press because the foreign press is very like, how can Americans even consider this? You know, so when I read the foreign press, I, that's what I see. You know, they're like, absolutely. I can't, I can't yes. believe, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. Any, anyway, Christine Bartlett, Josie, it's a pleasure to have you on. I mean, we're girlfriends anyway, so we talk all the time. <laughs> But it's nice to have you on talking about this kind of stuff. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. All right, vote everybody. Yes, vote. Vote. Vote as if your life depends on it. Because it it does. (laughs) Thank you, Lucy Gelman, for producing today. So Johnny Gill. I mean, Johnny King. Johnny Gill. I got Johnny Gill. I got new addition on my brain. Johnny King's song that he wrote for his sister, Evelyn Champagne King, is still my Friday jam. Let's do it. I want to dance all night. 